Welcome to Is It Worth It, the self-worth podcast where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I am a self-worth life coach. I help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force. You can find my other free content under the name Beti Grew Up, that's B-E-T-I Grew Up, on Instagram and YouTube, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at BetiGrewUp.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. So this week, I wanted to just talk about some major lessons that I learned through 2020 just to wrap up this year. And this was the year that I launched this podcast as well. I launched Is It Worth It around February of 2020. So I thought just to honor the rest of this year, honor the launch of this podcast, I wanted to open up and share some of the major lessons that I learned this year, some having to do with self-worth, some not. And I hope that this kind of helps you either in your reflection or just kind of helps you jog through some of the lessons that you've learned this year as well. So um, let's just hop into it. The first major lesson that I learned is that productivity will not determine your self-worth. And this is so major as a lesson and something that I really had to take my time to learn. And I'm still learning how to balance productivity without attaching a level of worth to it. And especially when, you know, I have an online business and I make content and I don't always get to see the people that I'm working with face to face other than like Zoom client sessions. So because of that, it's really hard for me to feel like I'm connecting to my audience. Really, it's I kind of get that feedback through lights, likes and views and statistics and downloads and all of that stuff. And so that's usually what I look to to kind of determine, okay, was this a good piece of content? Did people find this valuable? And what I fail to recognize is that, first of all, not only am I starting off, I'm at the very beginning of my career and of this business, but not only that, I'm not able to really see the impact that I'm having in people's lives. So when I boil it down to just a like, it becomes a really trivial way of looking at my business and of looking at healing and spiritual growth and all these messages that I'm sharing that could be really impactful to even just a few people. And if a few people really resonate with what I'm saying and it makes a big difference in their life, then that's what I'm really after. But when I boil it down to likes and follows and all of that kind of stuff, it almost directly measures my self-worth. And that's on me to make sure that I'm not allowing myself to perceive things that way. But it's been so hard to decouple those things. And as you know, I mentioned this in my last episode a little bit, but I did have, you know, quite a bit of an injury the last month. Most of November, I was pretty much just laying there, actually most of December as well. It started at the end of November and lasted about three or four weeks. And even now I can't like put a lot of weight on my right hand, but I can do all of my other normal tasks. So um, for a good three to four weeks, all I did was lay in bed and watch Survivor. Um, and it was just so hard and I constantly felt guilty, especially that first week was the hardest, not only because both of my arms were swollen, I was in the most pain. I really couldn't do anything except for just lay there. Like I couldn't even look at my phone. I couldn't write. I couldn't pull tarot cards for myself. I couldn't do any of the normal things that I think are fun, even including walking around or walking with my dog or playing with my dog. All of those things were basically impossible because I couldn't use my arms. And 
the amount of guilt that I face, the amount of pressure that I put on myself to get better or to just get this done anyway, or to, you know, use voice dictation to get all this extra stuff done, like all of that became so stressful. And I, it really forced me to do nothing else but look at the thoughts that were in my head and how much I was guilting myself into constantly being productive and how much of my worth truly came from productivity. And so much of the guilt and the pain that I faced during that time, not only was that about, you know, not being able to get things done, but I also felt awful that I even let myself get to this point of overworking and overexhaustion. And when I was thinking during that time, like, okay, when was the last time I took some time off? And in my mind, I was like, oh, I just took an entire week off, you know, but I realized this was November and December. And the last time I took a week off was July. And with quarantine, with lockdown, of course, the days just bleed into one another, and it's harder to keep track of time. But to imagine that many months, five, six months going by without me actually having a break with weekends rolling into work days and me just, you know, pushing tasks off into the weekend and working every single day and thinking that I'm having time off, but it's really just time where I feel stressed or guilty and I'm not even enjoying my time off. Like all of that really just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized like I cannot keep going down this road. And the worst part is consciously, I knew that, like I knew consciously, I'd heard so many stories of people overworking themselves or people, you know, having their bodies decide for them when it was the right time for them to take time off. And I was like, oh, that's awful. You know, I completely understood that on a conscious level, but I didn't realize that I was putting myself in that situation. I kept making excuses for myself to just work a little more, work a little more, put out more content, do this and that. And the worst part and the worst realization that I had kind of leading up to this injury, but also while I was injured, it really just confirmed that so much of the work that I was doing that I was stressing myself out over wasn't moving my business forward anyway. And by that, I mean, I was, you know, spending 20 hours on making and editing a really cool vlog for YouTube. I would share, you know, personal lessons in that, but I would also spend time taking B-roll and color correcting everything and making the audio sound good and finding music and making these cool like montages and just doing all this stuff that I genuinely enjoyed doing, but it wasn't converting to clients. It wasn't, you know, making my business function. And when I had to take time away from creating content and editing, cause I couldn't even type or use the computer at all, let alone click down with one of my fingers, I realized that like, I was able to still book clients when I was doing certain things and none of those things involved making content on YouTube. And with the amount of time that one video takes, whether that's, you know, 20 hours, 30 hours, it just wasn't worth it because it, there was no way that it was going to immediately translate to money. And even if I invested in someone to edit for me, not only am I still not making money from YouTube and that money has to come out of pocket, but again, it's just not replacing itself, right? Like it's just kind of money that I'm throwing out there. And by no means am I against, you know, investing in myself or, you know, putting money into myself or my business before taking the next step or before having that money through my business. But it's just, it's not worth it. And I realized like I can get clients, I can do work, I can move forward in my business without having to stress myself out, without having to work a hundred hours a week or more. And that was when I really allowed myself to say, okay, I can allow myself to take time off, not only in my business and not only will my business structure survive, but 
my body will not survive if I keep going down this path and it's not worth it. And I had to really come down to valuing myself so much more than even my business, than even the possibility of getting clients. And so it's been really hard to find a way to, you know, face these things. And the last thing that I wanted to say on this lesson and on this note was that when no matter how many things shut down, no matter how much of a lockdown or a quarantine we're in, if you're looking for a distraction, you'll find it. And for me, productivity was my distraction. Overworking was my distraction. And when I found myself getting really stressed or, you know, when I found myself grieving after my dog passed as much as I did, you know, cry and feel depressed and find it hard to get out of bed. But when I was getting out of bed or, you know, the thing that did motivate me to get out of bed was the work that I had to do and was my to-do list. And I remember creating a blog in July and talking Talking about like I don't remember the last day that a to-do list and a piece of paper didn't dictate my life and for me to be chasing this entrepreneurial life and this dream of wanting freedom and wanting flexibility I was doing the exact opposite I was finding ways to kind of trap and confine myself because that's what made me feel secure and that made me feel safe and that made me feel like I was moving forward but I when I really took a step back I wasn't moving forward. I was just digging myself into a giant deep hole into the ground. And I felt so disconnected and so isolated from people um, because I was constantly overworking, because I was finding it hard to be present. And so on the note of just always being able to find a distraction, I have a lot of friends who've been wanting to start their healing process or knowing that they're depressed, that they're super anxious and that they need to start going to therapy or they need to, you know, start meditating and whatever it's, whatever speaks to them is, you know, what they need to do in their journey. But uh, so many people, even with their jobs being from home, even with not being able to see their friends or family have found a way to be distracted. And like I said, I was doing that as well, but it's just goes to show that no matter what happens in our external circumstances, if you're mentally allowing yourself to be distracted, then you will be. There's no perfect time or no right time to start healing. There's no perfect linear way that your healing journey is going to go. I took so many steps forward and then a ton of steps backwards. And I felt like so much of 2020, I was going in a loop of, you know, being a lot worse than I was at certain habits and then getting a lot better and moving forward and breaking through new ground and then going back. And that's what healing looks like. It's so, so messy. And as much as I don't want it to be that way, as much as I want it to be perfect, it's just never going to be like that. And that's just something that I had to understand. And so I realized that even if the work ran out, I would find a way to distract myself. Even if I said, okay, this is going to be my off day, then I would spend the day cleaning or doing other random tasks. And again, that's totally fine. It's not the things that I was doing that was the problem. It was just the fact that I allowed myself to constantly run away and to constantly live in the state of feeling so overwhelmed. And that's just not healthy for anyone. So I've been, you know, really working on um, setting boundaries for myself, which is my next major lesson, but just being cognizant of how much work I should pack into a day. And also, I would say my biggest tip for uncoupling productivity from self-worth, I mean, there's so many, and I could actually make a podcast episode on this topic specifically, but one thing is just to make a not-to-do list or um, also a to-done list. So I love crossing things off lists and sometimes to just at the end of the week or at the end of a few days when you know that you've done a lot, but you just your mind keeps telling you that you haven't or your mind keeps telling you to keep going. You can make a list of everything you've done in the last few days or everything you've done in the week and that can somehow 
shift your perspective to say, no, I've gotten so much done. I'm allowed to have a break of a day, two days. I'm allowed to have a weekend off and then I can go back to it. Like the work will always be there, but I need to take care of myself first. And the other thing is to make a not to do list. So, you know, in my business, even now I've been thinking of like, what if I did this cool YouTube video or I want to watch like these old vlogs that I used to make. I want to start remaking those again, but I have to have a written not to do list to not let me get sucked down those rabbit holes. And as soon as I quit YouTube and felt comfortable with that decision of at least just stepping away for a few months, I don't know if I've actually quit yet. But as soon as I made that decision, my mind was like, oh, but maybe you should do TikTok. You know, it's helping you grow. And there's a million great business reasons of why I should start a new platform. But at the same time, I need to just be able to balance what is actually practical and how much stuff I need to pile on is something that I really need to watch. So having a not to do list and saying at least for the month of January, I'm not going to worry about TikTok or and I'm not going to worry about YouTube and I'm only going to focus on my podcast and Instagram like that helps me so much in just getting like stopping my mind before I even get to the place of being super overwhelmed and feeling like I have no way out other than to just work myself out. So um, that's my first lesson. And then as I just touched on it, I mentioned setting boundaries with myself and how that's a big way that I am trying to practice uncoupling productivity from self-worth. And so with the boundaries, a lot of that is because, you know, I work for myself. I work from home right now and I have to find a way to create certain boundaries, whether that's, you know, always committing to the weekends off, whether that's just allowing myself, you know, a, a day off or scheduling and rest time, I'm still kind of working through what works best for me and how to set those boundaries. Um, a big part of it is a not to do list as well, just mentally saying as much as my mind wants to throw X, Y, and Z on my to-do list, just not allowing myself to do that is huge, but it's just so important to, be able to tell yourself no, because that like for so many of us, that's our biggest critic. You are your biggest critic. You have the worst things to say to yourself. And sometimes you allow yourself to talk to yourself in a way that you would never let anyone else talk to you. And that's something that I realized this year. I am such a bully and I am such a mean person to myself. And even when I thought about like, I put it in the perspective of if I was working for myself as an employer, like I would hate myself because I'm not allowing myself any time off. And that's what drove me crazy about so many corporate jobs, especially in America. Time off is so infrequent. You have to go through so many loops to be able to get that or get it on a timely basis. Or there's always that feeling of guilt, like you're not taking your job seriously when you use your allocated vacation time and just things like that. I was so much in the mindset of doing that, of putting this pressure on myself. And I had to realize like, this is not the life of freedom that I not that I want. This is not the ideal boss that I would want. And this isn't the kind of circumstances that I want for myself, yet I'm allowing myself to live here. And it was also sometimes easy because I could live in this state of confusion with not having these clear boundaries and with feeling overwhelmed and being confused about what I should do and what I shouldn't do and constantly going back and forth and being indecisive. All of that is just a distraction overall from doing the things that scare you, from doing and from taking that next big step. At least that's how it played out for me. And so I had to realize, okay, getting 
over like overworking yourself and then getting so burnt out that you can't do anything but lay in bed and doing that over and over is such a toxic cycle but that cycle kept me from realizing some important things about myself some of that was related to my gender identity some of that was related to you know just feelings of not being enough and wanting to constantly run away from that and it's again it's not like i had this conscious thought of I'm not enough, I'm not enough, but I just kept feeling like I was working against myself, like I was battling myself, like I was, you know, just trying to one-up myself all the time, and that's exhausting, and when I dig into that, it's really because I felt like I'm not enough, I felt like I'm not going to be successful enough, I felt like I'm not going to get enough clients, and I'm never going to make enough money, and I'm never going to be able to, you know, fully live full time on this business that I've created. And even if I do make money once, I'm not going to be able to, to sustain that. It's not going to come back. There's so many ways that I was just not allowing myself to think those thoughts because I wanted to avoid them. But in my actions, I was responding to those thoughts. And that's what I realize I have to put a stop to. And I have to allow myself to go there mentally and think these thoughts and dive into these negative narratives and these awful stories that I'm telling myself about myself so that I can kind of correct those wrongs and so I can kind of consciously respond to them and say I'm not allowing myself to go there I know I'm enough I know my business will be enough I can allow things to not be perfect and still be good enough and still work for me and I'm really in charge of this ship I felt so overwhelmed like this business was carrying me, my life was carrying me, my circumstances were determining everything for me. And I had to really step into that role of being active instead of passive and actually allow myself to realize, okay, I am in control of this. I can put a stop to this. I created this business and I created this journey of entrepreneurship so that I could be in more control of my life so that I could have freedom. And now I'm just, like I said before, creating this trap. And so Setting boundaries with myself is a major lesson that I just learned how important it is, and that's something that I'll be working on in 2021 to find better ways to just allow myself to be active, but then also say no, even to myself when I need to. Um, and then the third lesson is that I've been allowing myself to dream, and what I mean by that is I have all these goals, right, of wanting this successful business of wanting to make X amount of money. And while I had these lofty goals in the back of my mind, I wasn't necessarily putting them at the forefront. And in some ways that was because I didn't believe that I could actually achieve these things, or I couldn't rationally see myself achieving them or growing that much. And when I allowed myself to start dreaming and allowed myself to say, okay, if I want to make, you know, $100,000 a year, what am I doing and what am I setting myself up for right now that I could see that happening? And when I looked at things that way, even in my business, I feel like my business is just like such an area of personal growth. Like it forces me to look at so many things. And I didn't expect going into this that my business would be what I talked about in every lesson, but it just applies. Um, and so when I looked at, you know, okay, if I want to make $100,000 in a year, what am I doing to set myself up to make that? I realized that there was no way I would get there with the current format of my business, with my current pricing, with how much I was advertising and getting in front of new people, it just wasn't going to happen. And so I had to really look at some things. I crafted some new offers. I made new levels of a single offer in my tarot and self-worth coaching sessions. Um, and the lo link, if you want to book a session, is always in the show notes. Um, so visit that if you're interested in learning more.
but um, I had to do that. I also raised my prices after, you know, doing a couple of those sessions and realizing how much work I was putting into it and how little I was charging in return. So I had to do that. And then I'm in the process of launching my online course on self-trust, which I am so excited about. I will be talking about that on the podcast in the next few weeks. But um, yeah, I just allowed myself to think of me rationally getting to a certain spot. And that helped me kind of backtrack and look at what I'm doing now. But by looking at what I'm doing now and backtracking from that goal, backtracking from that dream, I realized that I'm now more in alignment with that dream. I've kind of pivoted a little bit to say, okay, these are some of the changes I need to start making. These are some of the things I need to start doing. These are some of the ways that I can make these base things that I need to do a lot easier for myself. And that will bring me closer to these ideal financial goals that I have for myself for this year or whatever it might be. And on the other side of allowing myself to dream, another way that I've found that represented is that for so long, I didn't even allow myself to set goals. Like for so much of my college and, you know, even my high school career, other than just getting into college, like I didn't have these yearly goals. And I'm not even talking about New Year's resolutions. It could have been any time of year, but any sort of goal I was afraid to set. Anything that I didn't see myself doing, I was afraid to go for because I'd never pushed myself that way. And I was more concerned with pleasing other people and getting that sense of feeling accepted and feeling liked that I was way too scared to put myself out there as a leader or way too scared to put myself out there doing things that not everyone would appreciate because I felt like that just wasn't a priority. My biggest priority was just being liked, right? And so now that I've, even through like October and November of this year, I found it really hard to envision what I want for 2020, what I want my, you know, ideal life to look like, even though for so long, I felt like I had such a strong idea of that. So when I allowed myself to revisit that, I realized that so much of why I couldn't see that was because I wasn't allowing myself to dream of the things that I really wanted. So on my Instagram, I actually talked about this recently in my pick a card reading for the new year. I um, did a reading and I one of the card readings was talking about allowing yourself to dream. And I use this example of how I always want to travel, but I also have had this dream of, you know, having a beautiful home. And over this year, I've been able to, you know, buy some new furniture pieces that I'm proud of and DIY a lot of my furniture that I'm excited about. And I've actually allowed myself to think of having an aesthetic home, even though I don't live in a luxury apartment, you know, I still have a beautiful home, I still have furniture that I can paint and do things to. And that to me is also a lot of fun to be able to put that much time and energy and love into my surroundings. So because that has been a dream that's kind of coming into reality, I found it so hard to coincide my dreams of wanting to travel with my dreams of having a beautiful home or a beautiful apartment. And every time I thought of myself traveling, I could only see it from the lens of my post-grad self who thought that I would just go off and like live in hostels for a year and, you know, do just this crazy backpacking thing. And I realized over time that that just isn't me. I'm much more of like a slow traveler. Even if I do stay in hostels, I just want to do different things than what that kind of trip would have led me down. And so I realized that a big part of the block that I was having in visualizing my future, in visualizing what I wanted, was that I couldn't allow myself 
to see myself having both. I couldn't envision myself having an apartment or a home that I was proud of, paying rent for it, leaving on a trip, whether it's two weeks or a a couple of months, and coming back to a home that I already own. Like I only allowed myself to see myself living in hostels, not having a house, having my stuff either in storage or having sold it all to afford traveling in the first place, or having a home that I liked even if it's not super luxurious, right? And I couldn't see the two together. And when I allowed myself to start dreaming and start picturing, like, if I could have anything, what could I want? I had to push myself and push myself to finally say, this is something that I want. And I was afraid to admit it because I couldn't see myself doing that. And I mean, traveling even just this year just seems so far-fetched in general. But in so many ways, I just was blocking myself off from thinking that I could have it all. And so a big part of this year was allowing myself to dream both in terms of my business and setting myself up to meet certain financial goals and also in my personal life of just allowing myself to have fun and have things that I'm proud of and be stable while also being spontaneous. I think it was those two characteristics. Every time I'd been spontaneous in my life, I was like a crazy party girl. I was like all over the place. And every time I've been stable, I haven't made room in my life for fun. I haven't made room in my life to just enjoy the little things and to enjoy the people in my life and to be as present as I could be because I felt like I have all this responsibility of stability that I have to maintain all the time. And so really my biggest dream going into 2021 and just in life in general is to be able to find fun again and allow myself to be spontaneous and fun and lighthearted and joyous without having to party all the time and having these other unhealthy habits, if that makes sense. Um, And on the next note, talking a little bit more about money, I have done a lot of money mindset work this year especially, but even the last few years, and it's been something that I've been very intentional about. Um, The last few years, a lot of my work was around investing in myself, was around spending money that was more than like $60 at a time, you know, and not being afraid to spend money, knowing that money will come back to me. And this year, I took that seriously, and I invested in a number of things, um, a number of group programs, um, some more business-oriented courses as well. I invested in some spiritual uh, practices and learning from certain leaders, and I learned so much. And a lot of those, not only did they teach me in practicality about money and investment and how money can come back to you as well, but it also just taught me about the last residual things I kind of needed to clean up in my money mindset. And by no means am I perfect, but I can just see that I've made strides in the last few years because around money and around finances, that was the biggest area of scarcity in my life. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I went to college to a very fancy school on a full ride scholarship. And so there was a lot of times where I was around people who had so much money and I had no money or was always working for the bare minimum. And it was hard for me to allow myself to see money from a place of abundance. And what I realized was that I had associated accountability and circumstances with money. So an example that I can use to just illustrate this the most easily is I've had moments where I don't always want to go home for the holidays. And I think we can all relate to this. Of course, this year I didn't travel um, at all. But last year, I, 
You know, I don't always have a bad time when I'm at home, but it definitely does come with its stresses. And there's a lot of things that I can't always control. And so for the last few years, a lot of the times when, you know, my family was asking me to come home or I was feeling pressured to do that, I would want to blame it on not having enough money or I would want to blame it on not having time off of work. And some of those things were true. Like it, you know, is expensive to fly two hours. It's more expensive than you would think from the city that I live in. Um, And there's just a lot of issues that come with that. I did also work at a corporate job that was terrible about giving you off days. Um, And so a lot of those things were true, but I realized that that was also a way that I was using to hide my accountability. Like I was using that as a way to hide from accountability. I didn't really have the balls to just say, I don't want to come home. I wanted to, you know, please everyone. Like I said before, that's a major sign of not having the highest self-worth is just wanting to people please and wanting to put other people before you constantly. And so instead of just having the courage to say, I don't want to make it home this year. I don't, you know, have the capacity for that. I prefer to just be here. I would prefer to do FaceTime or whatever it is. I would always blame it on these other circumstances. And so there was this last residual part of me saying, don't make this money don't make all this money, don't be financially successful or stable, don't do it on your own terms, because then you don't have any excuse. If I work for myself, and if my parents or if people in my life know that I have money, then they're going to know that I can't use money as an excuse not to fly home. And they're also going to know that I don't have, you know, a job holding me accountable, that if I do want to travel, I can. And of course, to me, that is the biggest goal. That is such a level of freedom. But that freedom came with a lot of fear. And it came with fear of being accountable, fear of being honest, fear of just having to be vulnerable and open up about things that I don't always want to say, or or don't at least have the courage to say. And so because of that, diving into that money mindset really allowed me to see that it's not just about money and it's not just about earning it or spending it, but there's so much more that comes into it and so many coping mechanisms I've had to hide. And even in college when, you know, all my friends wanted to party or go out or go on a vacation and I couldn't afford it, you know, Sometimes I would just say, I'm too broke for that. Or sometimes I would just say, oh, you know, I I want to um, just relax or I need some alone time or something like that. But there was always times where I was afraid of just saying the truth because I didn't want to be judged and I didn't want people to look down on me or pity me. And so because of that, it's just became a habit and a coping mechanism to not always be honest about my boundaries or not always be honest about why I was doing something and just putting it off onto something else. And so now I'm learning how to have the courage and have these difficult conversations or just be honest. And this year, it was a lot easier for me to do that. You know, some of my family still wanted me to drive down or, or see if I could come down. And I had to just be honest and say, I'm not comfortable with flying. I'm not comfortable with driving right now either. And, you know, these are the reasons why. And this is when I hope that I can see you later. And it was really scary, but then it ended up not being as bad as I thought. There wasn't a giant argument or a big fight. We just FaceTimed on Christmas and it was amazing and everything went fine. And that is what I am trying to bring forward with me in 2021 is just not being afraid of being honest and being who I really am. And the last uh, two lessons, so 
the fifth lesson is to reframe effort as luxury. So this is also something that I talked about on my Instagram around July, and I mentioned this earlier, but I DIY'd a lot of furniture this year. My partner's parents moved into a new home and they had some furniture that they were willing to, you know, give us or that they didn't want anymore. And so we came into quite a bit of furniture that was just given to us. And so um, I spent a lot of June and July out on my balcony, sanding everything down, painting it into like a cohesive color scheme and just having a lot of fun. And for a while, I realized that you know, I never would have taken the effort to do something like this a number of years ago. I never would have, first of all, even thought about changing furniture. Like I just felt like things had to be the way that they had to be. And I had to adjust to everything, whether that was my circumstances or people or just objects. I never really thought that I could customize something or do what I want to something as big as furniture. But by just, you know, being intentional and learning about sanding and painting and just doing the bare basics, I realized that I not only am able to change things to help them fit what I need, but I'm A, worthy of having an aesthetic apartment and that's not superficial and that's not stupid, but also I can look at effort as luxury. I can look at the fact that I have this free furniture so I have to paint it and it's such a pain to make it look good and it's all this effort and takes all this time I could look at it like that or I could look at it like I have this time where I'm at home I have a sunny beautiful balcony in the middle of summer that I'm able to put a tarp down on and you know leave my furniture out on to dry when it needs to and I have the luxury of spending this time of curating my furniture into a way that makes me happy and makes me feel lit up like that's so exciting and I always looked as effort as bad and a big part of that also relates to the fixed versus growth mindset right with the fixed mindset this is all written by Carol Dweck and I studied her a lot as an education major in college but the fixed mindset is really about you know I I have to be perfect, you know, I there's effort isn't good. I need to be smart and that's it. I have to get straight A's. I have to do this. And the growth mindset is more about progress over perfection. It's more about praising the effort rather than the grade that you get at the end. And something that I learned especially as an education major was that when you do praise kids or praise students for the effort they're willing to try and to adapt and to put hard work into something even if they're not great. So if someone is able to raise their F or their D to a B, that's a major amount of progress. There's a there's a, a major amount of effort and yet someone could also look at that B and still say that that's not good enough. And that would be the fixed mindset. The fixed mindset expects you to be perfect and with students, when you praise students for just being smart or, you know, just always getting straight A's, that's what makes those students more likely to cheat. And it makes them afraid to try to achieve things because they always were just praised for doing it right off the bat or automatically understanding or being smart over trying, right? So then effort becomes this bad thing. And so much of the fixed mindset is how people with low self-worth tend to think, including myself, I used to always feel like I shouldn't try and study for tests. I shouldn't, you know, spend this amount of time, but I still expected myself to have perfect A's or perfect A pluses or to get the extra credit. And 
that's something that I've had to confront and reframe in my mind to say, no, I have the luxury of putting effort into this. I have the joy of putting effort into this. I have the capability and the time and the energy and the attention which is a luxury. And that reframe really changes so much because it allows you to look at the world from a whole different perspective. It allows you to try. It allows you to have new hobbies. It allows you to praise yourself for going out of your comfort zone rather than staying in it and just doing the same things over and over again, which to me is not a good definition of success. For me, it's I feel the most successful when I'm confronting my fears and stepping out of my comfort zone and really pushing myself to do new things. And even if I don't do it perfectly, I'm so proud of myself at the end. And so that's something that I've also learned this year is just the importance of allowing myself to try. And the final lesson before I wrap up this podcast is that when you follow your divine purpose, doors open and guidance is always there. So with this year, it's been absolutely crazy. It's been such a tumultuous ride. And as I mentioned, at the end of 2019, for the last over a year, I was working at this more corporate job, um, you know, just kind of like a regular nine to five at a desk in an office. And the company closed down at the end of 2019. They fired me and it was awful. You know, I was so terrified. I'd never lost my job before. I'd never been without a job in my adult life without my, you know, choice. And it was probably one of the hardest things that I ever went through. And following that, I was incredibly depressed. I had no idea, you know, where I was going to make money, what I was going to do, where I was going to work. I was applying to jobs in different cities. I thought I was going to have to move. And I was honestly applying to other corporate jobs that I knew I wasn't passionate about, but I thought that I had to just do that to pay the bills. And I ended up, you know, qualifying for unemployment because uh, I got laid off. And so that helped me, you know, just get back on my feet and just pay rent and just kind of do the minimum. But then I, you know, was, like I said, applying to jobs, I was traveling in February and January for interviews and, you know, got really far in the process. But then the last week of February was when I had one of my interviews, I found out the next week, right when we went into lockdown, that they weren't looking for anyone anymore. And the pandemic hit. And so it was so much harder to find a job. I was still looking for most of 2020 for even a part-time job or even some sort of nine to five or something that I could do remotely and just nothing was working out. And I would get so frustrated. I definitely had tons of low points, tons of points of just being so afraid about, you know, paying my bills and just, again, all those basic things. And what I had to realize and how I picked myself up every single time was by realizing that every time things hadn't worked out for me in life or I thought I'd hit rock bottom, it was actually happening for me, not against me, not to me. And also that in that moment, I was like, okay, if these jobs have turned me down, if these places are no longer hiring, if all of these doors aren't opening, at least I have my dream, at least I have my passion. And that also wasn't making, I wasn't making money through my business all of 2020 until about October or so. So I really was, 
you know, struggling and there, there was no reason for me to believe that things were going to work out in my business. When I looked at it logically, when I looked at it factually, I didn't have evidence of making a lot of money. I didn't have evidence of being able to pay my bills through this business. But I realized that every other door was closing in my face. And the only thing I could do was to follow my purpose, follow my path. That's the only way I even knew how to spend my time. And the only thing that really got me excited and so through, you know, pushing myself through writing on Medium and getting published and taking on interviews and interviewing other people through launching this podcast, through going live on Instagram for the first time, which was absolutely terrifying, through learning and being better at becoming a tarot reader and launching those services and launching my self-worth coaching services and launching this online course, like I've finally been able to take so many steps towards my purpose and my dream, but that honestly just came from a place of like true grit and determination. But the thing is, I looked at all those no's as one big yes, and I had to do that to keep going. And every time I've hit such a low place, such a rock bottom place in college, even before that, I had the choice of like, do I want to give up? And even through depression, even through certain really bad, really harmful thoughts that I've had throughout my life, I've confronted that and I've said, you know, is this the path I really want to go on? Do I actually want to, you know, be this hurtful to myself or be this harmful to myself or go down this path that I know is that negative or do I want to at least try, at least go down trying? If things don't work out, then at least I could say, that I did my best. And if I have to give up on something, then I know that I'm doing it with all the evidence in my back pocket of as to why I'm quitting. And I kept just looking for guidance, you know, through even doing readings for myself, through my journaling, through meditation, through talking through my guides and to my ancestors and, you know, channeled journaling and channeled writing. Like there's so many ways that I kept reaching out for guidance, asking my spirit guides for help, asking for help with what I should do. And I didn't, it's not like I'm well-versed in all of this. Like I'm still new to so many of these practices. I've been meditating for a while, but I haven't, you know, gone on a shamanic journey before this year. I hadn't done so many of those things. And I had to push myself to walk in my aligned divine purpose. And the guidance kept showing up. Little messages kept showing up. It was my tarot cards and one of my tarot readings for myself that gave me the final yes and the push to launch my tarot services. And that's where I got my first few clients. And so there's just so much that I have to be thankful for in terms of guidance. And I also have to be thankful to myself for not allowing myself to just stay in this awful depressed setting. And again, I, I completely understand, like I have clinical depression, I have, you know, general anxiety, social anxiety, panic disorder, I, I'm actually diagnosed with all of these things from a therapist a number of years ago. And so I completely understand, like, not wanting to be depressed, but your thoughts are making you that way. Your body is making you that way. Not wanting to be anxious and rationally knowing that you don't have anything to be anxious about, yet your anxiety is just out of control. So I'm not saying that you control your depression and that you control your anxiety. I'm just saying that I had to come to a place where I was just sick of feeling sick. And it's not that my depression went overnight as soon as I started posting on Instagram. Of course not. You know, that was a much more deeper 
kind of journey. I did a lot of writing. I did as much healing. I tried to rest when I could, especially at the start of the year and not be too hard on myself. But, you know, again, as that depression kind of morphed, it turned into overworking and turned into all of those issues with productivity that I mentioned in my first lesson. So like I said, healing is messy. Healing, one lesson folds into another, into another, and you're not always perfect. And I wasn't always linear, but that guidance will be there for you when you're walking in your divine purpose. And also I realized that so many of the little things recognizing the little things, being present in the moment, that's what helped me realize that my manifestations were coming true. So for example, my dog passed in March, um, which was really, really sad. I was seriously grieving and just so heartbroken because she was only seven. It was a sudden sickness. She was pretty much like acting ill and then passed away within a week. So there was no time to deal with it in the moment. It hit me so hard. It was so unexpected. And during that time, I was, you know, spending time outside and like spending a lot of time doing art and oil pastels and also scripting. That was kind of like my daily routine is I would have coffee on my balcony in the sun. I would draw and listen to an audiobook, And then I would do some scripting and some manifestation exercises. And so one of the things that I wrote in my scripting journal was, you know, just getting really detailed about sitting under this specific kind of desk and, you know, working with clients and having my dog underneath me. And I said that he would be a boy. I said that he would be a black dog. And I, you know, had no idea that I would find a dog like that ever. You know, it was just in my mind, like, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I see for my future. And I ended up my partner ended up finding this dog. We fostered him for a couple of weeks. We went back to the adoption agency and said, we definitely want him. We've been working with him to train because he's definitely quite reactive. Um, but even a matter of months after that, I realized that that manifestation was true. It came true. And it was these little things that I noticed. It's not like the main thing I was even manifesting or writing about was my dog. I just knew that I would have another dog someday. And it came true. My dog is black. He's half Corgi and half Dotson. He's um, a boy. And he's just about the size that I pictured in my mind when I pictured it. And Again, it's not like I saw his face, but those little things just made me realize that it's when you pay attention, when you're present in the moment, that's when you realize that your manifestations are coming true. And the craziest part is that there was like an issue with one of my partner's Amazon desk delivery things. He ended up getting um, a return because they had an issue with his order. So he got the money back. And that is what helped me buy a desk for myself because they sent him a free one I ended up getting a desk with that same money so it's like we got two totally different desks for the price of one and it was exactly like the desk I had envisioned in my mind and I didn't even go out of my way to buy it I didn't even go on Amazon to order it it just kind of fell in my lap and that's the craziest thing. Like when you open yourself up to, to the universe, when you open yourself up to receiving, when you open yourself up to even expecting blessings to come your way, that's when you realize the power of walking in your divine purpose and the power of how magical of a being you really can be, right? And if you're not allowing yourself to be present in the moment, if you're not, if you're overworking yourself, like I've been most of this year, you won't be present for those little moments when you realize that your manifestations have come true, right? And 
just on that final note of manifestation, I know a lot of people are doing that, um, especially around the time of New Year, whether you're meditating, whether you're writing or scripting like I was. Um, that is such a helpful tool to write out your dream day or, you know, write out like a perfect you know, idea or vision of what you see yourself from, you know, the bed that you wake up in all the way to who you're working with, who you're seeing that day, what you're wearing. All of those things are so helpful to do when you're manifesting. So I highly recommend writing a scripting exercise, but not just writing the same sentence over and over, but really allowing yourself to visualize yourself living that life and getting down to the nitty gritty details because when you are allowing yourself to look at the details and expect those things to come through and manifest those things, they really will meet you halfway. So um, yeah, I feel like that's a positive note to end this podcast on. Um, I don't want it to get too much longer. So thank you so much for joining me and for listening to some of the lessons that I've learned this 2020. There actually is a way that I just found out through my podcast where you can call in and leave like a voice message. And I thought that would be super cool to try out. So I'll leave the link to do that in the show notes. And if you're interested, you can always let me know what you've learned this year, or you can let me know if you have any questions or any requests. And I think it would be really cool in the future to do an episode where I answer some of your questions or give you advice on your specific situation. So like I said, the link to that will be in the show notes. And I'm really excited to see what we can do with that in the future. And the final thing I want to say is just a massive, massive thank you to everyone who's taken a chance on this podcast, who's been with me on this kind of bumpy ride and figuring it all out. And um just for staying with me and supporting me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, this podcast has officially hit, I think, about 16, 1700 uh, downloads and streams. So that's super, super exciting, especially because I started 2020 without a podcast and here we are now so a massive thank you to everyone who's following me along on this journey um if you do want to connect with me even more feel free to follow me on instagram at betty grew up if you've been resonating with this podcast and you're interested in working one-on-one then head to the link in the show notes i have information on all the different one-on-one services that i offer and you can read through and book your session at the links available thank you all for listening happy new year and happy healing Thank you.